Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here. My name is Robin, and I get to uh, be a rally car driver today, I've been told, uh, because Matt told me that, hey, you just got to rip from here to the Renfrew Church, like, just go as fast as you can, and since he knew I, I like to drive fast, then he just asked me to preach today, so that part's really good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, none of that's going to happen. I'm going to drive the speed limit and be all good. Uh, so uh, really thankful I get to be here this morning. Hey, uh, we're going to be uh, uh, looking at uh, Mark chapter 2, uh, verses 13 to 17. So if you have your Bibles with you, that's great. Or if you have your device with you, if you want to look that up, or if you just want to follow along on screen, that's cool too. Um, and uh, we're, I'm just going to be reading from uh, the uh, English, uh, English, what's it called again? English Standard Version, there we go, uh, versus maybe a, um, a new uh, international version. And it's a little bit different. It's just kind of word for word versus a paragraphical translation. So uh, nothing to be worried about there. Um, just so you know, a little bit of a context here from, from Mark with the chapter that we're going to be kind of getting into here in chapter two. In chapter one, it's, uh, it's, it's great because we have Mark, uh, he's really helping his readers to understand the identity of Jesus. That's what's going on here in, in chapter one. He wants them to know about the Messiah and he's pointing them to him through the book of Isaiah, actually in, back in the Old Testament. Because back in, uh, Isaiah, uh, it's talking about God returning. And so he wants them to know that God is coming back and he's pointing them to Jesus. Jesus is God in flesh. That's what he's saying. And and just to prove that, he's talking to them about all of the miracles that uh, Jesus is doing here in chapter 1. He's telling them about the power of God that has the con- that has the ability to c- control demons in chapter 1. He can heal the sick and also heal those unclean lepers. Uh, he can read the hearts of men. He can heal the paralytic that happens in chapter 1. And he can do the one thing that only God can do, which was to forgive sin. That's what happens. And so in chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, they're just filled with these intense moments, right, that are happening, that are seriously just blowing up the religious leaders' minds and their little box about who God is, and it's seriously shaking up their whole idea of what the Messiah is to look like as they're looking at Jesus. Which is why we find, you know, this amazing little moment here at, in verse 12 in chapter 2, which this group of witnesses that just saw the unthinkable thing happen, this, this healing that happened and this forgiving of sin that happened to a paralytic and left them all amazed and glorifying God by saying, we have never seen anything like this. Whew. That's exactly what I would have said if I would have been there at that time. And that's kind of how I feel as we walk into this next episode here in verse 13. Verse 13 to 17. Let's read that together uh, and then we'll go from there. Verse 13 says this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. 
And the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, when they saw that he was eating with such sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with such tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Father, uh, we do ask, Lord, uh, that you would bless our time together, that you would reveal your truth to us through your Holy Spirit uh, this morning. And Father, we have, I have no idea where uh, these uh, people have been this uh, particular week, the challenges that they've faced, uh, the joys that they've celebrated. But Father, I know that you do. You, knew, you know exactly what they need to hear uh, today. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to them uh, through your word in the ways that they need. Uh, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, boxes. Boxes are pretty useful, aren't they? Boxes are great. Man, we, we use them for little birthday gifts and we use them at Christmas time, don't we? Man, we wrap them up uh, and we give them to our friends and family. We also put little memorable items in boxes and then we store them underneath our stairs or we put them in our garage because we want to make sure that we keep them for safekeeping. We also put items in there that maybe we're going to donate or that we're going to give away or we're going to maybe discard or when we're moving we gather up a lot of boxes and we put all of our items in boxes and then we move from one big box to another big box that we call our home. Now, boxes can be pretty fun as well. If you've ever seen children play in boxes like I did as a kid, right? we end up giving them a few markers, right? and then their imagination just kind of goes, goes crazy, and they begin to create a little world inside that box, and it's pretty fun. right? They're, they're like explorations you know, type kids. They explore Mars. They might be drawing little pictures in there and dials of a spaceship so that they can take off to Mars, or they're going to you know, create a little Top Gun fighter pilot you know, instrument so that they can fly or it's a race car driver or they're creating a little meadow where they can have a nice little tea party with some of their friends and boxes are fun if you've ever read calvin and Hobbes, right the creator there bill waterton brings those two characters to life in those little comic strips or the wonderful book series you know that you can read about because you find out that calvin loves boxes he totally does that he would create time machines time machines that would take him to a new world and he would even create the transfigure morphosis duplicator <laughs> yeah the transfigure morphosis was the best box of all right because it would actually create a whole new calvin a whole new calvin a second calvin that would permit him to step outside of his original self right his old self and set that aside so that he could be free from one identity and just embrace a new one it's great boxes they're so fun so fun yet boxes at the same time and they can label us can't they they can define us, they can confine us, they can restrict us from actually becoming who God has gifted us to be. Ah, just like we find Levi 
if you remember, he's kind of stuck in this box-style booth that we just read about as a tax collector inside our passage. And now, I'm, I'm positive that Levi, you know, he didn't play in little cardboard boxes as a kid and create new worlds with other children in the ancient world. He didn't do that. But all children and people, they tend to dream and envision themselves doing something or becoming someone in their life. And I don't think a Jewish boy like Levi would ever dream of becoming a tax collector or creating a tax-style type box where he could play with his friends in because tax collectors, as you may know, were hated. They were totally hated. They were despised human beings at that time, especially if they were Jewish like Levi. And the Jews that became tax collectors were hated to the degree of actually being totally cut off from their social environment, from the majority of society. They were excommunicated from their church slash temple, right? And they were isolated, pushed out, quote unquote, ghosted, right? From all their friends and their normal social circles. You know, they were forced to create a whole new world of connections alongside their totally ostracized family. So people really treated them like they were like a thief, like a murderer, like someone who had leprosy. They just wanted to stay clear of them, avoid them, and ignore them if at all possible. Now, I don't think Levi ever imagined himself in such a box. Like, I really don't. But then again, Who would? Who would imagine themselves in such a box? I don't think any of us would. I don't think any of us would borrow Calvin's time machine or his transfigmorphosis box, right? To imagine ourselves in such a life. Yet sometimes, sometimes those dials that we draw, the direction that we take, the little GPS goes a little... Little, little off, little malfunction happens, and we find ourselves at a destination that we never thought we'd end up at this stage of life. We don't. And this new box that we find ourselves in is a similar box that we find Levi in. You know, it's a man whose decisions that have landed him in a not so great societal hot spot, and now he's just choosing to make the best of it. Levi and others like him, they've settled. They've settled into this box. They've placed a little plant on the desk. They put their little picture on the wall. They've made uh, a living. They have created a purpose. They've created a community. They've created this security box for themselves, which is what I think Levi's kind of doing here in his life. He's chosen a job that gave him security because Really, nobody else really wants those jobs, right? He's given himself financial stability because he gets a percentage of the taxes there, and he's increased his LinkedIn network for sure, right? His social media status because he's so well-known now in his community, so that part's that part's good. He now has purpose and a sense of power and control. But then, then something happens. Something happens. He meets somebody, and he, meet, he runs into this box cutter, this transfigmorphosis maker is what happens. Yeah, let's read here in verse 13. He says, He went out again beside the sea, 
And all the crowd was coming to him, uh, being Jesus, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose up, and he followed him. Now, now Mark tells us that Jesus does something very specific, doesn't he? And he steps away from the crowd, and he purposely chooses to approach Levi in that little hot box cubicle. right? And then he calls to Levi, hey, follow me. The little box cutter, Jesus, says, follow me. Now, why? Why? Why does Jesus choose him and not anyone else in the big crowd that he was just talking to? How come it's Levi? How come Jesus chooses him to say, hey, follow me? Like, like, was it time for Jesus to have a little one-on-one tax time? Was H&R Block line up just too long? Like, well, was that kind of going on? You know, I'd probably not. You know, and then I, I think about uh, Levi. What was Levi thinking? Why would Levi just immediately just think, okay, and just follow him? Like, why would he do that? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've come to understand that there was something super compelling about Jesus that just drew him to follow him. But in more so, I think about us. What, what's going on here for us? You know, and, and I've come to understand that Jesus chooses Levi to point us to this, the character of God because God calls all of us. He calls all of us to himself and he wants to cut all of us out of the box that we are in and that the box that we put God in. He wants to do that. It's about Jesus inviting us to step into this transfigurmorphosis box with him and emerge and become someone new. Someone new. You see, Levi's acceptance of this invitation to follow Jesus brought him this new freedom from his old way of life and was about to give him this new identity and purpose. Because this this little follow me moment was Levi's personal follow me and I will make you fishers of men moment that we read about in chapter 1, verse 17. When Jesus first calls the disciples. See, this instance is one of those life-changing opportunities for Levi. Because when Levi leaves his little work box, right, Levi doesn't just put up a little back in 30 minutes sign because he's gone for coffee or a lunch with Jesus. He's not doing that. Levi picked up a box. He put his plant in there. He took the picture off the wall. He's gathering his papers, his pens. He's, He's putting all that in there. And now he's following Jesus. He's doing something much different. It's like there's this unexpected job performance review where we've been reassigned, relocated, and given a new title and identity in the company. Right? I imagine that this would have been really fearful, yet kind of exciting for Levi in this moment. It's exciting because Levi discovers a new world. Right, a way of life, and he begins to follow Jesus as one of his disciples in a, in a new way. And this is also fearful because Levi has created this, this whole identity for himself. Right, this whole identity that he's now, he's been relationally connected, he's financially stable, right? He is established in his community, he's been given purpose, and now he's stepping away from all of that in this new way to follow 
Jesus. And that's challenging. It doesn't matter what culture you're in or what time frame you grew up in. But he does. Levi does. Levi chooses to step out with Jesus and his box-cutting ways, and he decides to walk out of his security box and step into this whole new world with him. And so, would you? Would you? Would you be like Levi and step out of the security box that you've created for yourself? Would you be willing to pack up your identity and what you've created for yourself and allow Jesus to transform you into someone new, to give you new purpose and enable you to have a greater influence on others? Would you? Mark tells us in verse 15 that Levi did. He did just that. But he does it in a, in a great fashion. He throws a party. He throws a party. Yeah. He gathers and celebrates with his friends and with Jesus and with all his disciples. He's like, look, look what's happening. Man, look what I'm going to be doing. The celebration is like a transfigurmorphosis party. That's what's going on here. Yeah, where his old life is acknowledged. And also, his old group of friends are part of that. His tax collectors and his sketchy, you know, you know, sinner friends. And also his new band of brothers, his disciples. There's this blending of worlds that kind of come together. And it's, and it's beautiful, right? Because Jesus is telling us and showing us that his desire is for all people, all people, to have a new life with God. And it says this in verse 15. It's fantastic. And as he reclined at his table, that being Jesus, reclining at Levi's table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And there were many who followed him. So fun. This is a beautiful scene in my opinion. Man, this follow me fella, right? Our, our Messiah is having fun. He's having fun being surrounded by those that have been seen as the despised ones, the avoided ones, the rejected ones by all the righteous people. And I love it. I totally love it. And I love that our Savior Jesus enters you know, Levi's little dinner party and just starts to enjoy himself. I picture him just getting to know Levi's friends. Just having a good time, listening to their life stories, sharing funny moments about the disciples, laughing along with them as they eat and drink at the dinner table. You know, and I find myself deeply encouraged by this because if I was living at this time, I think I'd be one of Levi's friends. And maybe you would see yourself in the same manner, right? That you would be labeled as one of the sinners. Right, Like Levi, you might have been shunned by segments of society, deemed just not good enough right, to be in the presence of God because of different imperfections that are in your life uh, and that people would have claimed you as you know, unclean, like a thief or a leper. Well, that's what I would have been claimed as. But here we find Jesus. He just kind of sidesteps you know, society ways. And I love it because he, he's not the judgmental type here of others' imperfections and their sins. And we see him just choosing Levi and to be with all of his friends. He chooses him because he wants 
all people who are like him or feel like Levi to know that, that he's choosing them and he's loving them and loving being with them. Jesus wants all people to know that they are chosen ones. They're chosen and he wants them to follow him because he will provide a new life for them with God. He will take that old way of life, old way of living, and old way of being inside that whatever box-style life that you've created and end up giving you something new. Something new when you follow Him and enter this new life with Him that sometimes we cannot fully imagine until we actually choose to step into that transfigomorphosis box with Him. Unless, unless... You're righteous. Unless you're really righteous, right? Then we're not going to do that. Why would we do that? Because you already know everything. You know what it means to follow God. You already know what it means uh, to follow Jesus. You know Scripture. You and God are all good. You're all good, right? You're all good. You got a well defined life here with God. You got your your uh, uh, life just labeled out nicely. It's kind of color-coded in your nice security box, right? You got everything in order. You know scriptures, and you know what it says. You know how we should be living, and you know ex- exactly how others should be living, and sometimes you like to tell them about that. Yeah, Depending on which group of friends that you're with, man, you might internally or actually outwardly judge people and speak down to them. You might like to use phrases like, oh, some people. Can you believe that person? Like, seriously. Man, did you hear about him? Did you? And what about her? Did you hear what she did? Man, the righteous, right? We're kind of like those those box seats at stadiums. Yeah. yeah, those box seats at stadiums. We believe everyone wants to be where we are because they're obviously looking up at us, right? They totally are. And with that can create this perfectionist-type attitude uh, in us. And then all that that does is make other people feel less than. That's all that that does which might be why Jesus says to the box seat sitters in verse 17, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. So now Jesus says those things after overhearing these righteous guests, the Pharisees judging him at the party. You know, verse 16 tells us, you know, in the NIV it says that when the teachers of the law, or in verse 16 it says, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, well, why does he eat with them, the tax collectors and the sinners? Who judgment, right? Right there, right there. After reading that, my, my, my first question is, who invited them? Who invited these people to the, to the party anyway? Like, why would you, why would you really want them at your party? Why would you want to invite righteous, judgmental, box seat sitting religious perfectionists to your party? Why, why would you do that, Levi? You know, and as I was trying to figure out the why about this, I actually started to understand that that's not the real important question. That the real important, uh, uh, piece is here is that there's room for them 
at the party. There's room. There's room at the party for them. Jesus makes room for the box seat sitting people. He makes room for the righteous attitude and He calls them and us to follow Him just like He calls Levi. He calls the righteous people who struggle with pride, judgment, and their hidden sins just as much as He calls the blatant sinner. Levi's little party for tax collectors and sinners and these righteous religious sinners actually becomes this this fun surprise party, doesn't it? For all unrighteous people. Because Jesus doesn't leave anyone out. He doesn't. He calls everyone to come and follow Him regardless of which person at the party that you identify yourself with the most. You're invited. You are invited to come and follow Him. Which is why I love, once again, verse 17, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. So whether you label yourself as being like Levi or a sinner or a religious law-abiding Pharisee, Jesus is telling us we're all sick sinners we're all sick sinners which is why we need to see the sin doctor that's what he's saying just like when we get sick right what do we do we head to the clinic that's what happens we want to go see the doctor well and that doctor gives us a prescription or they help us to with our continual treatment that leads to healing that's what goes on and so in verse 17 here jesus addresses our sin like a virus a virus that we never knew that we had a sin that causes this blind spot in how we maybe treat people this negative religious attitude that we can have or a judgmental box that we have created within us the righteous pharisee type person believes that they are perfectly fine right they're perfectly fine they have no big sin issues they're good enough with god or at least well at least they're better than that other person right at least they're better you know they are completely unaware of some of the sin that they have that really plagues them while the authentic sinner has already been with the physician They've already been with the sin doctor. They've confessed uh, what's going on in their life, received forgiveness and healing, and they're out and about once again. When I was reading in chapter, uh, sorry, when I was reading in Romans with our Apostle Paul there in chapter 5, verses 12 through uh, 21, Paul talks about being set free from the box of sin from this box of sin and judgment that we find ourselves in, and he explains the process of becoming righteous. And it's beautiful, because it boils down to our inability, actually, to become self-righteous. We can't do it on our own. And so I paraphrased those ten verses into this. It's beyond screen. All you sinners and self-justifiers, you will never become a self-made righteous person or right with God person or uh, I'm in right standing with him on our own. You can only be made right with God through Jesus Christ. Only Jesus forgives our sin and makes us righteous, makes us in right standing before God. 
So Jesus says that I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner, because he is the great physician who prescribes grace and forgiveness and healing. He is also the box cutter. The box cutter who came to cut you and I out of whatever safety box we've created for ourselves. And he calls us to follow Jesus in whatever new way he's calling you to. Because he wants you to follow him because God is on the move. God is always on the move. God is always doing something and he's calling each and every one of us to move along with him by following Christ in a new way. In a new way. In a new way way always in a new way and he wants us to be able to demonstrate that to people that we're connected to our friends our workmates our neighbors in our community jesus wants us to be set free from whatever little box that we've put ourselves in right and he wants to give each of us a new life a new life that's a little bit risky at times but it's really rewarding as well okay when we follow him and he invites us all to come to the new party this levi type party to discover a transfigurmorphosis life with him and he has chosen us to step out of our defined box and have our identity redefined in Christ so that you and I can step into a whole new world that God has planned for us. And so today, man, I'm, I'm just asking you, I'm challenging you to follow the box cutter today. Yeah, just like Levi did and discover that new world that Jesus has planned for you. Because I want you know Christ to be known in your life in such a way that People say that same phrase that we read about in verse 12. They'll look at you and be like, Whoa, I have never seen anything like this before. Let's pray. Father, may you speak to us through your word today. May it resound in us may it change us transform us and reshape us in ways that only you can do god speak to us and give us courage to follow you in ways that we have not done that we have not done that we've been scared to do god give us the courage that we need to follow you like levi did in christ's name we pray amen